0: So Money Episode Seven Ninety Five. Doctor Bonnie Koo, founder of Bonnie Koo MD. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a thirty-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. does a six-figure income turn into six figures of debt? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for coming here. Our guest, Bonnie Koo, was making six figures by age 23, working on Wall Street. A career pivot into medicine quickly changed all of that. She attended medical school and took on $200,000 in loans. She also racked up about $20,000 in credit card debt. Bonnie, now a dermatologist, is on the other side of that money story. She's since taken control of her financial life. She's paid down the debt, and she's even launched a site helping other professional women and doctors master their money. Bonnie blogs at bonniecoupmd.com. She also co hosts a podcast called Friends Talk Finance. Stay tuned for the exact moment she decided to get serious about money, the book that helped turn her financial life around. And a unique way to think about retirement planning that won't make your head hurt. Here's Dr. Bonnie Koo. Bonnie Koo, welcome to So Money. How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be on the show today. I am too. You know, you and I first connected uh as a listener of the show and as a neighbor here in Brooklyn. And since you've moved to Pennsylvania, which I feel like is my second home, got married there, went to school there. Uh so much ground to cover with you, Bonnie. I mean I don't even know where to start, but let's start with today. How's today going? And then, you know, I know that uh we're going to get into a lot of your financial journey and what's what kind of made you interested in in helping specifically women professionals, doctors with their finances. But where 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 are you right now in your financial life? I know you had some student loans, and you know, tell us a little about Bonnie Koo's financial status right now. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, well. I paid off my student loans
1: earlier this year, so we are officially debt-free. Congrats. That feels amazing. Uh, I had some help. My fiance did pay off the last bit of my loans. We sold. He sold his property in Boreham Hill, so you can imagine how much that skyrocketed since he bought it in 2000. Oh man! You want to just retire? It wasn't that good of a that good of a profit. It was pretty good, but yeah, we paid off loans. We sort of just cleaned up all the outstanding things that had to be paid off. So that is just a great place to start. And I have to tell you, you know, so many people ask, should I save or invest, or actually, I should say, pay off my loans earlier, or should I invest or do both? And I get the money or the math works out to invest sometimes. But I got to say, like, in terms of like your mindset, there's nothing like being debt free.
0: No. And the psychology of it is nothing to um, underestimate. I mean, really, the fact that you can sleep better at night and also you probably have more of an appetite to invest now. Right. So maybe you will be more aggressive. And I know that time plus compound interest is very powerful, but I agree with you that if this, if the debt is really weighing on you, um, address it first and aggressively and right away. And uh, congratulations, that's huge. Thank you. I was reading about you and your story, and um, you know, in some ways, you characterize your your financial pl- like place in life. And, you know, because you kind of went to medical school uh, after having already a career in finance, you feel a little behind in some ways. Do you still feel that way? I mean, yeah, if I, you know, I have a blog post where I talk about
1: all the mistakes I've made and I tally them up and it's over a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, that's just crazy. Right. And if I didn't make those mistakes and you know, if I didn't take so much time before going to med school, I'd be way ahead of the game. But I do feel like this, in spite of all that I'll I'll be okay. And I think that's kind of the message I want to let people know is you can make a lot of mistakes. As long as they're pretty early in your career, you still have time to catch up.
0: Yeah. Fail hard and fail fast. Fail fail (laughs) soon and fail fast. Um, Your website is missbonniemd.com. This is where you share a lot of your financial story, insights, advice. You're also a dermatologist. You're a mother. Uh, And way back when you were first a young professional graduated from Barnard College you were making six figures by the age of 23 working for Morgan Stanley tell me about those years that i i didn't make six figures until well into my like early like late 20s i was finally you know breaking the six figure mark in new york and i remember that moment you know it was a big deal you kind of made it right out of the gate uh did you feel rich at the time
1: No, because I was spending my whole paycheck in New York City, which is very easy to do, as you know.
0: (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) No, so, but seriously, six figures, even in New York City at 23, yeah, you know, rent and food. But um, did you, uh, did you feel, did you like making all that money at that point? Or did you want to make more? Like, what was your financial mindset at, at 23? Uh, I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed life at that point. You know, when you're 23, you're in New York
1: City, like there's just so much to do. There's always stuff going on. So, I mean, I guess what was nice is I didn't have to worry about, oh, I can't go out for a drink tonight because, you know, drinks are expensive in New York. So I never, I guess, felt that way. I had a pretty nice apartment on the Upper West Side, right on Central Park. I remember that was pretty awesome. So, it just, I mean, it felt good. I wish I saved more. Um, yeah, I was obviously gonna say, what do you wish
0: you had told yourself <laughs> at 23 financial advice?
1: Yeah. I wish I saved more. I mean, I wish it's like, it's, it's so funny looking back. I'm like, how did I not know that you should live below your means? Like, it's just, it seems so common sense, but obviously at one point it wasn't common sense for me. So,
0: hmm. so you will admit that you didn't really get any financial literacy growing up. Is that, um, something that you uh, feel was uh, a missed opportunity from your parents? Did you or you were you just not interested in it? Did they try to teach you and you just ignored them? Because that's what I did.
1: <laughs> um, no, I don't. My parents definitely didn't teach me. Uh, you know, my mom was the saver. My dad was a spender. And then my mom would always say, oh, you're just like your dad. <laughs> when I was growing up, uh, now I've become more of a saver. Although I feel like once you're a spender, you can't, I'm always putting it in check, you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely a tendency I have to kind of curb, but uh, no, I didn't get any education and you know, it really wasn't until my last year of residency when I, this is kind of how this whole blog started. I just heard some co-residents talking about money and these two guys always talked about money by the way, but for some reason I was interested that day, who knows, maybe I was mm. bored and I just was like, how do you guys know all this stuff? And then they, then they actually were like, oh, you should read this book. And the book was the white coat investor. not sure if it's a book written by a physician for physicians. It's a very quick read. You can kind of read it in a few hours. And I basically said, okay. And I ordered it on Amazon, got the next day with Amazon prime and read it that weekend. And I kind of was like, Oh my God, how did I not know this before? How come no one told me this? And it was like, it's so basic, like, you know, just compared to where I am today. Like, you know, sometimes Even now, I sometimes forget that I have to go back to the basics when I'm talking to people who are still learning for the first time because it's easy to assume that they should know a certain amount of material by now.
0: We're going to dive deeper into your advice for professionals, particularly the doctors of the world. I I had recently on Peter Kim, Dr. Peter Kim, who is one of your um, friends and peers in this space. He's an anesthesiologist and the founder of Passive Income MD. There's unique advice for the physician crowd uh, when it comes to money, and I want to learn more about that from you. But let's go back to when you. Pivoted from finance uh, in your twenties to was it in your twenties or was it in your thirties? I can't. Uh, I, the timeline's a little foggy for me, but I know that you eventually transitioned over to dermatology school, um, medical school at Columbia, and and that took a while. And that also landed you in two hundred thousand dollars in student loans, twenty thousand right. dollars in credit card debt when you graduated did you have a financial plan? Because you're talking about this book that you're reading as a student. So would you graduate with a little bit more of a direction?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, I, I I feel that I read that book right at the right time. It's right before I was about to, you know, quadruple my, actually more than quadruple my income. And so I had enough time between when I read the book and when I started my first job out of residency to kind of set myself up properly and like I said before, I'm a spender by nature. So I'm one of those people where it just has to be automatically removed from the paycheck before I see it. That's the best. That's how, that's how I operate best. And so I basically, as soon as I got my accounts up at my new job, I said, okay, let's max out the 403B. So I don't see the money ever. And so doing it that way, I just, uh, my first, um, job started in September. So I had about three or four months left of the year. And so I was able to max that 403B out in those four months, which I thought was a pretty good accomplishment for someone who, like you said, had $20,000 in credit card debt just before and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt that, you know, I just got to put this stuff on autopilot so I don't have to think about it.
0: I think what I love most about your story up to this point is that you kind of just made a decision. You don't even know why you were inspired, but it just kind of that day you wanted to start making some improvements and it started with education. It started with maybe those guys ended up becoming, you know, your money buddies or guys you were like, you know, riffing on money about, uh, but exactly. Yeah. And then that's, so that's like, you know, finding your people, your community. And now, um, when did the, when did Miss Bonnie MD come into the picture now? So you're a working doctor, uh, you have your you know, your 403B. Is it the 403B maxed out or whatever? But now you're thinking, I want to take this to a different, better, higher level. I want to help people.
1: Yeah. So that whole started actually. So uh, I was in a Facebook group. I'm still in that group. It's a Facebook group for women physicians and we discuss personal finance and there's all these other women physician groups for all different topics, including location. So there's a New York City group, for example. Um, so I was in the finance group and it was much smaller back then. We're talking three to 5,000, which is still a large group, but now it's still over 13,000 members since I joined. And, you know, people were asking questions and I just started answering them. And then I realized that I was doing most of the answering in that group. And after a while, I was like, wow, you know, it's it's getting annoying to keep typing out the same stuff over and over again. So that was like a thought that came through my head. And then I had some girlfriends who basically were like, you should start a blog, Bonnie. And my first thought was why? Like, I'm not interested, you know? And also the White Coat Investor, the book I mentioned, he has a blog and he was kind of the first physician to really um make it big in terms of really reaching out to other physicians and he was he's an established you know website and so i kind of felt like well what do i have to add he basically wrote about everything and the way i would search for answers i'd search in google i'd write com space the topic and they he'd always have an article on it to be honest and so i just felt like i had nothing to add but my friends kept pestering me and then one day i was like all right i'll start a blog right now and i had all this material swirling in my head i also was this is before I had a family. So I just had a lot more free time. And that's kind of when it started. And even the name is kind of not what I, I didn't have time to figure out a name or or logo. I just kind of said, Oh, my email is Miss Bonnie at Gmail. I'll just call it Miss Bonnie MD. So not super creative, but that's how it started.
0: Just start. That's the key, right? Like don't overthink it. Just start. And I know you were recently at FinCon and your people are learning more about you. You're finding more people that are um, interested in helping physicians. So with regards to physicians and money, what do you think are the greatest challenges? And do you have specific advice for them that you think is not the same that you would give to other everybody else to the general population?
1: I think what's hard for most physicians is, you know, we're just in school and training for so long, so there is just lots and lots and lots of delayed gratification. And so it's no wonder that most docs, they graduate, you know, they get this new job, they're making, you know, most of us are making over $200,000 from the bat and then to it's just so easy to go be like, Oh, I want to buy that car. I finally wanted, or, you know, for women to go buy that purse or buy the new home. Like, you know, cause by the time we finish, most of us are in our thirties, some of us late thirties. And so we've seen all of our friends do all that stuff already. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, it's time for us to do that. Plus we've got this really high income. So why not? Um, but most of us unfortunately do graduate with a lot of loans. And so it becomes this battle. And so, unfortunately I guess the advice is to delay the gratification a little bit more which is hard but even if you just uh, delay a few years and just increase your lifestyle maybe a little bit even you could double it technically and still you know
0: be ahead the debt is also a huge setback can be um, you know do you think that the debt is justified I know you're gonna make lots of money but but I also hear that with doctors depending on the path you take it It can be difficult to pay off those loans. Uh, uh, you know, it's with all the, if you, especially if you have your own practice, the insurance bills, um, et cetera, can be really taxing. So what do you think about that in terms of the ROI of, of, Paying for a medical degree out of, out of your pocket, or in some, you know, in this case, get getting a debt, getting a loan. Right. So it depends on. The, so different specialties
1: pay different amounts. Now they're not absolute rules, but for example, in general, someone who becomes a pediatrician is going to make a lot less than a dermatologist, for example. So for the folks who make you Know maybe just really low six figures, and some patricians aren't even making six figures, which I think is awful. Uh, that obviously gets hard to stomach if you're graduating with three to five hundred thousand. I think right now, three to five hundred thousand is normal for student loan debt. Five
0: hundred thousand, and then you have yeah, cause, dual because there's pre med, and like so it's all like what eight to ten years, right? Of school. It's, yeah, uh, eight years of tuition in the minimum. And then
1: you have these dual physician families who have double that. So I know some couples who have a million dollars of student loans combined. Oh, goodness. I know, it's crazy. Um, And then if they don't have a plan to pay them off, whether they pay them off aggressively early or at least just really think about it and refinancing the loans, because some of them have loans at like seven or eight percent, then you can just imagine how much interest they're going to owe on top of that capital.
0: And uh that sounds like an extreme, but it's probably not uncommon. You know, you often meet your partner at work, and so if you're a doctor, you might marry a doctor, and there you go. yeah, that's where the the, the debt adds up and is significant. So how do these people, individuals, couples, build a financial life while paying down debt? Do you just wait till you're debt free, which could be 10 year, another 10 years, and meantime, you want to be a homeowner, you want to invest, you want to start a family. What do you do? So I think the general advice I give
1: is, uh, so I recommend maxing out all your tax advantage accounts. That's basically a 401k or 403b and then a Roth IRA. So we have to do the backdoor Roth IRA because of our income. Um, and then depending where you work, for example, my last job, I had a 403b and something called a 457. So that's basically another... 403B in terms of the max. So I usually tell docs to max those out and then throw everything else extra at loans. And most of us make enough where we can do both. So it just kind of depends on their income level and sort of what else is going on. But I would say at the minimum, they really should max out the 401k and a Roth IRA.
0: And I want to clarify the backdoor Roth IRA, which uh, some people have written in asking about that in the past, and you kind of bring it up sometimes on the show, but basically a backdoor Roth IRA um, allows you to get around the income limits of that Roth IRA contribution by converting first to a traditional IRA, traditional IRA, and then converting that into a Roth IRA. Do you have someone helping you with that? I would assume like a CFP or or a tax person? Um, I do it myself. Oh, okay. Tell us how you do it. What's the DIY way to do it? I just go to Vanguard
1: and you know transfer fifty five hundred from my checking account. Wait till it hits, and then I they have a button on Vanguard. I just hit the convert to Roth IRA. No. So they make it really easy. Oh,
0: I love that. That is brilliant. Thank you, Vanguard. <laughs> You're, I know exactly right. They like convert to Roth IRA. Oh Click. my gosh! Well, that's fantastic. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you would consider to be your greatest financial win, your so money moment, Bonnie?
1: Hmm. You know, it's funny. So I I feel like I should say paying off my student loans, but it didn't, it felt great, but I had just had a baby. So there was just so much stuff going on. So I don't, it's not very salient to me as a big one. So I think my biggest win was when I the first year I maxed out all of my tax advantage accounts. So I mentioned earlier that I maxed up my 403B when I first started, but then that second year when I had a full year, I maxed up my 403B, my 457, my backdoor Roth, and I also invested it all myself on my own. So that felt really good.
0: And it wasn't feel, that hard. Do you feel like you're on track to retire with quote-unquote enough? What's your retirement plan <laughs> while we're at it? Just give me all your rest. whole retirement plan. It's fun, you know that,
1: it's funny you asked that because it has changed or I should say evolved as I've learned more. So I don't know about you, Farnish, but I feel like when I first learned all this, it was just about learning the details and the how-tos. And there's which can be you know difficult if you don't um, have like a head for it or if you just don't have a guide. So I felt like first I was just learning the details, like oh this is a Roth IRA, okay this is how much goes in it, this is how you invest. Or I just picked a target fund initially because I didn't know what I was doing to be honest. So I feel like after I learned all that, then it kind of evolved to okay, then what's the retirement number? And I just kind of picked a number out of the not out of the hat, but I kind of said, "Oh, it'd be nice to get this much a year based on the 4% rule." So I actually picked 5 million, which is pretty high, but I guess part of me feels like, you know, there's things like long-term care, there's healthcare uncertainty, so I just figured the more the better. But then my thinking has even further evolved since picking that number to, well, it's not an absolute. It's not like I have to wait till I reach that number to quote unquote retire. You know what I mean? Um, now I see it more as like a, like a gradient, like a flow, like I could get maybe halfway there or maybe even like, you know, reach the first million or two. And then I can start cutting back on work because I think telling people they have to work so hard to reach number X is kind of, it's not depressing, but it's like, it's just another hamster wheel and it's easy to get burned out trying to get to that number. But if you really think about, well, I really want my life to look like X. And then since I'm talking about physicians specifically, I think I would say the overall majority of us love practicing medicine. We love treating patients like that. That's why I went into medicine. But I think all of us would be a lot happier if we worked a little bit less, you know, maybe worked part time, even 50% or 75% full time. I think would be a lot more fulfilled in our jobs. And especially as a woman and a mom to have that
0: extra time to be with her family is amazing. Right. I like what you said about thinking of your retirement plan as this gradient. So if there are all these different bars, you know, one is your employment, another is your savings, another is your expenses. And depending on, and everything is just kind of moving back and forth, right, throughout the years as far as what that goal is. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to accomplish anything. It's just that, you know, I guess the advice is be ready for flexibility be ready for fluctuations um stay the course to the best you can but also it, 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 it's a juggle right and t- retirement is a moving target yeah and i think you know you're always changing
1: i mean you know i'm not the same person i was a year ago i mean i just had a baby too so that's obviously a big change but i feel like every even like every few months, I feel like I have just a way of different way of viewing things and then different, your priorities change. So I feel like you have to accept the fact that you're going to change your priorities are going to change and you want the flexibility to be able to adjust your goals. So.
0: Our sponsor, Bonnie is Chase Slate. And for the month of October, we're asking our guests in the spirit of Halloween, what was your scariest money moment? <laughs> <laughs> My scariest money moment. Gosh. Um,
1: I gotta say, it's maybe scary is not the right word, but like when I we did have to write the final check for those student loans, like it was a check for like seventy five thousand dollars, and I gotta say, like it's not the same as paying off a mortgage because at least when you pay off a mortgage, you you have a house, you have something to show for it. It's like, oh, this is my home, I own it. When you send a big check like that, it just feels like it goes into a black hole. Yeah. And so even though it felt great to be debt free, it kind of like it's scary to write that check and it just kind of becomes nothing.
0: Right. It's like, well, I get to go back to work and (laughs) be happy that I can do my job because I have the degree that afforded it, that I afforded it through, you know, student loans. Um, I know what you mean. I uh, had some student loan debt after graduating from grad school. And as soon as I got my first book deal, I just, you know, used a a, a whole bunch of it to pay off the remaining, I think it was like $25,000. And it's just me all alone in my studio apartment hitting that click send button. Mm-hmm. And that was it. You know, that it wasn't. <laughs> but I think that the, the, it's subtle, right? The, the appreciation and the joy that comes from it. And it, and it kind of resurfaces the benefits, certain, kind of make themselves apparent all throughout your life. You just maybe aren't identifying it as like, oh, I was able to do this because. Five years ago, I paid off my student loans in one fell swoop. You know, um, So I think it's important to celebrate our wins and continue to celebrate our wins. Really recognize that your student loan payoff strategy is what's now helping you be a mom with more ease and, and like actual like, you know, without your erasing heartbeat because you don't have that carrying – that weight is not on your shoulders, yeah and it decreases obviously your
1: overall operating expense, so that it gives you flexibility to take more financial risk, you know mm-hmm. so and,
0: and so going back, I just think that it's so great that you know you said you admitted I didn't have any financial grounding teaching growing up. Here you are in medical school, you're overhearing a conversation about investing. It piques your interest. You start reading that book and And from then on, you've been really dedicated to building your financial life, investing. Was it as simple as just educating yourself or was there something else along the way that happened emotionally, motivationally, psychologically that got you over the hump and not only that, but got you to stay consistent with it, which I think is also really admirable of you. I mean, you're an academic. You're someone who got through medical school. I don't think money is rocket science. I think medical school is harder than learning about money. But, you know, I think there's a lot of us out there that we sort of feel like we just need to get motivated, inspired. So what was it for you? I think, you know, I, it's funny. Even though I was terrible with money, I
1: always had this spread, like monthly budget spreadsheet. Like I, the, I made the numbers work in the Excel spreadsheet, but the reality was they never worked right because I just would just spend money, and the end of the month I'd be like, oh, it didn't fit into my nice little categories that added up in my Google spreadsheet. So I always had like ideas that I was good with money, but I definitely wasn't, as I've already said. But I think. I just was always like a spreadsheet cruncher. That's kind of nerdy to say, I guess. So I think when I learned about, oh, this is how you invest, it was kind of like a way for me to create some new spreadsheets. That's like super nerdy to say, but that's kind of how it started. And I was like, oh, I can make some new spreadsheets and they look nice and that numbers add up here and there. Um, But in terms of like, you know, I don't even feel like I'm that great of an investor per se. I just do index funds, which is kind of boring, but it's, you know, it works. So and I started with a target fund because I I didn't know what I was doing. But now I do actually slice and dice myself a little bit.
0: Let me tell you, I'm going to do that Roth conversion button that's on the Vanguard website. (laughs) That sounds a little too easy. And just because I'm a sucker for simplicity, I will be checking that out. Thanks for that tip. Oh, yeah. Bonnie, let's do some so money fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. rounding out our interview here. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say hundred million dollars, the first thing I would do is oh, this is my favorite question you ask. Um, I,
1: I think I, you know my family's still around. My parents. I would you know, buy them a home because right now they, they do own a home, but it's, I think, no, not their ideal home. I'd buy them a home. I'd sort of take care of my whole family. And then I probably, this is going to sound weird. I probably quit my job as a dermatologist.
0: Hmm.
1: I think I would still see patients, um, as a dermatologist, but I wouldn't do it for money. I would just staff like the low income clinics or the Medicaid clinics, but it would give me the freedom to really treat the patients that really need it. And I don't, and I don't have to worry about getting paid.
0: That's really admirable. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? I have an organizer. Uh, She is a magical person
1: that comes to my place three times a week. And I come home to a perfectly clean kitchen. The counters are wiped down. She takes out the dishes, puts them away. Um, She even does some meal prep for us. um, And that has been a life changer.
0: Three times a week? Yep. That's a lot. So is there enough work for her? Are you guys like Tasmanian devils? Like you're running through a house? I'm imagining like you probably aren't very messy, but what is the upkeep? Um, So she doesn't clean, clean. We have a separate
1: uh, cleaning service that comes every two weeks. She just kind of tidies up. So she folds laundry. It's probably three to five hours a week total. She's She's a a part-time nanny for another family. So it works out.
0: Oh, gotcha. So she's only in for like an hour, an hour and a half doing like little errands and Tight. Yeah. If I could get exactly. someone in to fold my laundry, that would be really nice. And she puts it away. I didn't think there were people who would just do that, but I probably have to add some more tasks to it. I mean, maybe TaskRabbit. I basically uh, put out, not an ad, but I asked my friends, I'm looking for a part-time wife. I love that. That's that's actually a chapter in my book. When she makes more, um, buy yourself a wife. <laughs> no, I read your book. I love it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't really mean buy yourself a wife, but you know what I mean—a wife, like a tradition in the traditional and the most traditional of senses. You know, like the wife that cooks and cleans and all of that. Because, you no, know, who's got time? Who has exactly. the time? <laughs> I love that. All right. So when I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is. Oh, I wish I knew what compound interest was. Do you think it would have even really resonated, though, as at a young age till like compound interest would have gone in one year and out the other if I was a little girl? I mean, maybe.
1: But if I actually got it because I started I had a job at age 12. So can you imagine what that money would be like now?
0: Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I'm still thinking about your husband who bought the Boreham Hill House in 2000. Yeah, he paid seventeen thousand dollars for a down payment for that. Oh my gosh! And um, whoa, okay. So last but not least, I'm Bonnie Koo. I'm so money because I'm so money because I'm
1: empowering women physicians to pursue financial freedom.
0: And thank you for that. So needed. I hope you win the lottery. Um, But it sounds like you uh, have been bringing great fortune into your life. And congrats on the new baby and wishing you continued success, Bonnie. Thanks for coming on So Money. Thank you to learn more about Dr. Bonnie Koo, visit MissBonnieMD.com and you can also follow her on Instagram at MissBonnieMD. If you missed any of this, just head over to SoMoneyPodcast.com and there you can download the transcript as well as the audio. You can also leave me a question for our Friday episodes. Click on Ask Farnoosh, either leave a voicemail or drop me a note. You can also check me out on Instagram as well at Farnoosh Tarabi. Send me a direct message. Follow me there. Send me your questions. I tend to answer on the go within, you know, 24, 48 hours, sometimes sooner. So if you've got a real question and you're dying to know the answer, that's a great place to find me. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money.